0: very appropriate to start this letter with the Lord's table and over the next few years you'll see what I'm talking about If you would please turn to the letter of Ephesians please follow in the reading of the word of God verses 1 and 2 Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus grace to you And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come today for a new adventure. And yet, Father, as you have shown me in this letter over and over these last number of months, uh, there is more here than meets the eye. Thank you, my King, for this text. Father, I pray for everyone who hears that Lord it will change them. It will change them. We love you, Father, and we praise you in Christ's name. A number of years ago, I shared this with you. A very dear, godly, wise man who is now in glory um, told me that Ephesians was the warp and the woof of Christianity. Of course, he's a little Welsh guy, so I thought, what in the world does that mean? (laughs) So, let me explain it to you, and you'll see why he, as we get into this, you'll see why he would call it that. Warp and woof is a weaving term. When you make independent threads, and you weave them together to make a cloth out of it, that you will find that the base thread, or the bedrock thread is the wharf and the woof is the thing that goes between each bedrock and ties them all together okay and you've got to have both you can't have one without the other so you basically have the bedrock which is the warp and the yarn that ties it together would be the woof okay Now, as I've been reading this letter, uh, I I will be honest with you, I've read it a lot. Uh, I have actually read through my Bible five or six different times, so I did go through Ephesians. I have been reading Ephesians every day for me for probably close to a year. And as I look at this letter, it becomes more astonishing every time I read it. The letter is the essence of what all of the churches can be. It is what the church is. It is how it is. How it operates. Everything in the body of Christ is in this letter. And I I, I am a firm believer now. That every church should be built upon the principles of the book of Ephesians. Okay? This letter is vital for the growth and maturity of the saints. right, I was reading an article, L.A. Times. And I thought it's very appropriate at this day and age, and what's going on in the quote-unquote church. But it was about a couple in Los Angeles who died of malnutrition. And the police had gone by their apartment to do a welfare check on them, and found them in a state of decomposing. And they died of starvation. Okay? But what was really bizarre... They were going through the house, and in the closet was a bunch of paper bags that contained $40,000. I was reading about a lady named Hetty Green. Hetty Green. She died in 1916. Okay? 1916. She is... Remembered as America's greatest miser. When she died in 1916, her estate was estimated at $100 million in 1916. Okay, that would be several billion in today's dollars. She would eat cold oatmeal. Because she believed it was too expensive to heat the water. Her son got an abscess on his leg. And she didn't get it treated right away because she could not find a free clinic. When she finally found a free clinic, it was too late. And the leg was amputated. I would say that would be America's greatest miser. Both of these are pictures of not understanding how to use one's resources. I give you those illustrations because I see the church in both of those illustrations. Ephesians is written specifically to Christians. And... It's written specifically to Christians who I would call spiritual misers. They're not using their resources. So many don't understand the riches that come with knowing Jesus Christ. So when I look at the body of Christ... I see a spiritually malnutrition has set in, in the body, and it's rampant. They don't know where the feast is, and they're definitely not using their resources. Many because they don't know what they are in Christ, and they never find out how rich they are. When I hear people say, well, I don't really attend church. You know what you just told me? You're spiritually dying of malnutrition. Well, I read my Bible. So? You are not utilizing your resources. If, as I have read through this letter, I firmly believe for it was laid on my heart through prayer in the letter, that if we can get a handle on the book of Ephesians, we will be stunned and shocked. I was reading one commentary on this, and it says Ephesians is the bank of the believer. The bank of the believer Dr. Rolford called it the warp in the woof. It was described by John MacArthur as God's spiritual checkbook. And every time you write a check from this book, your funds are never diminished. Interesting pictures. I would look at it from this perspective if I was going to use it in that scenario. It would be impossible to overdraw the account. All of the riches of God, as often as you want, for as much as you want, and you never ever diminish the account. You read just Cursory through this letter and the words that are used are staggering. It's a book about riches. It's a book about fullness. It's a book about being filled. It's a book of inheritance. It's a book that tells us what we own in Christ. John Calvin called it the treasure house of God. During the Great Depression. No, I wasn't there. I read about it. Banks would only allow you to withdraw 10% of your account. It's interesting to think. God's account... You can draw out all you want all the time and never ever run out. But you know what I've seen in my 30 plus years of walking with the king? Believers don't know that. Or if they do, they don't believe it. And the only way you can grasp this is know the principles of this letter. So, as always, when I start a new text, I'm going to give you the framework on how do I utilize this account. I believe... This letter will revolutionize your lives. I believe you'll be shocked. It teaches us who we are. It teaches us how rich we are. It teaches us how to use the riches of God for His glory. It's amazing. It is flat out amazing. In verse 7 of chapter 1, it says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to what? The riches of His grace. Chapter three verse eight To me, the very least of all saints, this grace is given to me to preach the Gentiles what? The unfathomable. Unfathomable do you understand what that word means? The wowzers. The unfathomable riches of Christ. Verse 16, same chapter. He would grant to you according to what? Riches of his glory. You know what? This Just a, three little verses. There's more. But I'll just give you three little verses. You know what that is? God is unloading all of his riches upon us. He's not withholding any of them. In this letter, grace is used 12 times. You know, unmerited favor. 12 times. Because you have to understand that it is God's grace that is behind all of these lavish riches. The word glory is used eight times. Six chapters. The word inheritance is used four times. Riches is used five times. Fullness and filled seven times. But there's a key to this. It is a word that the Apostle Paul uses in many of his letters, but never like Ephesians. There's a key. When you think about glory, inheritance, riches, fullness, filled in Christ. That freaked Paul out more than anything in his entire life. This guy went to heaven. But the thing that freaked the apostle Paul out was he was in Christ. In Christ. Because we are in Christ, the fullness of the riches of his inheritance of the glory of His grace. Is ours. Is ours. Reading Alexei. Talking about. It doesn't matter whether they persecute us. Because God raises governments. And God tears them down. And the church has always been persecuted. It was a Russian brother who told me. The greatest thing that he's seen with this new freedom. Was the fact That we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. The letter of Ephesians. He didn't know that. Because we are one in Christ, then we are one in his church. We are in the body of Christ. Let me ask you a question. We are described as being members of the same body. Why is it there are so many forsake the assembly together? That's like the arm saying, I'm just going to lay here on the ground. I don't want to be a part of the body. What will it accomplish? We are in the church. Because we are in Christ, we are redeemed. And because of that, there is an incredible fullness in our lives that lost don't have. You can probably summarize this, and I want you, I, I, I will deal with this later in its death because I can't even touch this today, but I just want to see if I can make your brain hurt. Chapter 3 verse 19 To know the love of Christ That surpasses knowledge That you may be what Filled up with what All the fullness All the fullness of what Do you get a hold of that for a second Think about that for a second All of the fullness of God. All of the fullness of God. You can know the love of Christ that is unknowable. Get your head around that. Because you know what? You can't. All the fullness of God. I can look at creation and see all the fullness of God. And you're full of that. Because you're in Christ. The believer can be filled with all the fullness of God Himself. You can know the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. You will know the exceedingly abundant fullness of God. Did you ever think about that? Let just warp your head. I'm going to take my time to get to that taste because I ain't got that all absorbed yet. The fullness of God. The fact that no two blades of grass ever are the same. No two pine needles are ever the same. That is part of the fullness of God. And that's what you're filled with. Grab that for a second. Just chew on that one, and just sit there and go, hmm, 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 hmm. Mm. Think about, you know, we put a high dollar amount on gold. Okay the pure the gold, okay, the more it's worth, All right and we put I mean we're getting I don't know what it is right now, a little over thirteen hundred dollars an ounce for gold and if you think about it, it's really not worth anything. it's soft, so when it comes to being a metal it's really it's not like you're going to build a bumper out of it. Okay, at $1,300, you ain't going to put the bumper on your car anyway. (laughs) Look, it's in my living room. Okay, in my safe. But do you realize that it's still all his? Fullness, riches, inheritance, wealth, resources. It's all in this letter. And if you think about it, it's kind of astonishing. Six chapters. God has enough wealth to cover every debt. Every debt. He can cover every debt in the past. He can cover every debt in the present. He can cover every future debt. And it won't even tax him. Every liability and future need can't even dent your account. So we need to look and see what God's plan is. Well, I showed you in verse 19 the fullness of God. If you go over to chapter 4 verse 13 you'll see that it is also the fullness of Christ. If you go over chapter 5, verse 18, you'll see that you will be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so I've got the fullness of God in chapter 3, I've got the fullness of Christ in chapter 4, and I've got the fullness of the Spirit in chapter 5. So... What part of God's power and possession is missing? Nothing. Nothing. It is all ours. No, you're not waiting on it. No, you don't expect it in the future. It is in your possession as I speak. If you are in Christ. You know what? It is all ours, and there is a guarantee of this because of the fact that you are in Christ. Now, listen, you kind of got to get your head, you got to kind of think harder on this one because you start thinking about the fullness, okay, of God in you now. It makes your head want to explode. As secure as Christ is in the plan of God and in the love of the Father. Can I hear what I said? As secure as Christ is in the plan of God and the love of the Father and as available as the resources of God are to Jesus Christ. You getting all that? Let your little brain think on that for a second. Okay, just stop right there. As secure as Christ is in the plan of God, in the love of the Father, and as available as the resources of God are to the Lord Jesus Christ, so they are to us. So they are to us. That'll make everybody just do a little happy dance. I can't even grasp all that. You know, I I, I was talking to people who can lose their salvation. And I said, you probably can. And they said, but I thought you were kind of on the Calvinistic side. I said, well, maybe you're not saved. If you're not saved, you've lost your salvation. Okay, but then you have to acknowledge, well, I probably just never had it. (laughs) Oh, There you go. (laughs) Our union with Christ. Romans chapter 8 says we have become joint heirs. Joint heirs. You know what that means, right? Whatever is Jesus's is ours. Did you think about that for a second? Whatever is Jesus's is ours. If you're a joint heir, then guess what? Remember in chapter 6 of Romans... We are united with Christ. Okay, and it's and, and I use the illustration of cooking a biscuit. Okay, if you put the ingredients together and you don't bake it, you can probably still technically separate back to the original ingredients. But once you bake it, you're done. You can't ever separate it back to the original ingredients. So you're Jesus' biscuit. You cannot separate a believer from the person of Jesus Christ. It's impossible. And everything that is Jesus's and the security that Jesus has and the resources that Jesus has from God the Father. Guess what? Are ours. Are ours. Letter to the Hebrews, he says, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Those who are saved are joined to the Lord in one spirit. We have what Christ has. We possess what he possesses. All of Christ's Riches are at our disposal. This is a crazy letter, people. Crazy letter. Peter calls it an inheritance that is laid up, incorruptible, undefiled, reserved in heaven for us all. Where rust can't even touch it. This is what Ephesians is. And it's all in Christ for all who are in Christ for all time. Okay, now listen, you got to look at this because this is what you have if you are in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, you're broke, you're bankrupt, you're poor, you are a beggar. Because if you are in Christ, you are rich beyond anything you could ever imagine. And it's all based on Christ Jesus. Okay, you know what that means? Nothing to do with us. It's all His. See what we're going to get to look at? It's going to warp your brain, man. We all be sitting around slobbering on each other. Just out, out, out. I know how this is going to work. I've already started looking at it. I'm sitting there and I have to back away from my desk and stand up and go, oh, I think I read that wrong. And I go back and read it again and said, better sit down. All the reasons, and and I'm just going to lay this out for you a tad bit. Because I don't want you to start thinking that your pastor has jumped into the health and prosperity gospel. Okay. Those riches are based on these things. Okay. Chapter 1 verse 5. The kind intentions of his will. Chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. To the praise of His glory, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. So it is the praise of His. He freely bestowed upon us. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, according to the riches of His grace. So it is His grace. His grace. Chapter 1, verse 12. To the praise of his glory. Verse 14. The praise of his glory. Verse 19. The strength of his might. Whose power is it? You know, it's it's one of the mind numbing things that I watch is that, you know, we got to try to move on your emotions so I can make you make a decision. Well, that's stupid. That's crazy. Why? Why don't I rely on the strength of his might? First time I ever led a person to Christ, you know what I was sharing? (laughs) The doctrine of predestination. That's a simple doctrine. You know, I didn't say, you know, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. No, man, you were priests. I was saved before the foundations of the earth. Crazy. And the guy came to Christ. Never walked away ever again. Everybody tells you, when you get saved. You usually walk with him for about two years and then you fall away for five. Then you come back and run again. And I was like, where do you get that at? Where is that? His love. Chapter 2, verse 4. With which he loved us. His good pleasure, chapter 1, verse 9. According to His kind intentions, which He purposed in Him. Verse 11, purposed. His purpose, who works all things after the counsel of His will. Verse 18, His calling. You will know the hope of his calling. His inheritance, verse 18. What is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. So it's his will, his grace, his glory, his power, his love, his good pleasure, his purpose, his calling, his inheritance, his workmanship. And that is all of these riches are based on these things. It is all because of him. It's all because of what we are in Christ. These things are now ours. Book can be cut in half first three chapters tell us what the resources are and how to get it. Can't use them if we don't know what they are. You know, it's it's uh, one of the things, uh, I was just talking about this the other day. One of my pet peeves is when Christians pray for peace. Well, wait a minute. You already have it. Why do you keep asking for what you already got? When a person gets angry, what do you suppose resources they're using? I can tell you which ones they're not. Because I have peace with God, I therefore have the peace of God. Do we understand that? It gets bigger than that. I've been wandering around in this thing for about two months. And at first I was like, you know, this is, I don't think I can chew this. Let us let alone belch it back up. That's what meditation is. We know what they are if we know what they are. Do, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished why is it we think we've got to add to it? If you take the first three chapters, it's basically theology. Then you take four through six, the last three chapters, and we see how to use them. But you've got to hammer out the first three. I know a whole bunch of people right now who are busting their rear ends trying to get four through six. I got to put on the whole armor. I got to put the helmet thing on. Where's my shield? I've got to love my wife as Christ loves the church. And she don't even like me. Okay? And you see them, they're just, they're all going through all of this stuff, trying to do this. And I'm like, read the first part. Read the first part. If you know what the first part is, that's easy. The problem is, we're all busy doing this. Well, we're supposed to do this. Well, why do you look so stinking angry? If you have an inheritance, if he's lavished on you all the riches of heaven, how can you be so miserable? Oh, you didn't read the first part. Well, that's too much theology. Then I'd stay out of the second part. I would stay out of it. So, brothers and sisters, there we have our framework. We are going to choke on theology. The riches and the fullness that have been lavished upon every person in Christ. Then we'll be ready for spiritual warfare. We'll understand that the full armor of God has never taken off. Because as soon as you do, you get a fiery dart. Think about it. Think about it. You will have the right relationship. Your children will have a right relationship. Your wife will have the right relationship. Your co-workers will have the right relationship. It all comes together when you start understanding that all that Christ possesses is yours. All the power that God the Father has is yours. All the counsel you ever need from the great counselor is yours. Already there. You start going back through your Bible and you think about the things of God, the things of the Son, things of the Holy Spirit, and understand this one thing. You already have it. It's already in your possession. That's the framework of this letter. First three, theology. After we get through with that, we'll see how it applies to the moment by moments of our lives. Or you can read it yourself. But I tell you what, you start looking at the terminology that the apostle Paul uses in the first three chapters, it will freak you out. Because when he says, you will be full with all of the fullness, filled with all of the fullness, there's a reason he wrote it that way. Because he doesn't think, we have a tendency to say, but wait. And he writes, you will be filled with all of the fullness. And he uses the word all a lot. Because he doesn't want you to think, but but, but I didn't get all of it. And he says, oh, yeah, he did. This is an exciting book, people. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Guaranteed. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul and your power, your workmanship for us today. Lord, I pray for each of us. And we will hear the words of this letter. That, Father, we will be overwhelmed by the promises of this letter. And that, Father, we will just be revolutionized in our thinking, in our prayer lives, in our walks, and what we are about. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy. Father, help us to understand that that is unknowable, the love of Christ. Help us to grasp with all the saints the amazement of that you have lavished upon your people. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.